this next season in my life as a pastor and in our life as a church is going to be marked as a season where we learn and yearn together to depend more desperately on the Lord than we ever have. Because our God is a great God. Father, we thank you for this day, this time of worship. It is truly our heart to worship you and to know you more. God, we know that our only hope is your grace. And we come into your presence today because you have invited us. Our confidence is not in who we are, what we have done, but who you are and what you have done for us. Our confidence is our grace, the grace that you have been given to us, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we thank you for for your grace. We thank you for your steadfast love. We thank you for your faithfulness. You are our rock and our refuge, our ever-present help in time of trouble. You are the shield about us, our glory and the lifter of our heads. Thank you for who you are and what you have done and what you can still do for all who believe you and who live dependently on you. So, Father, we thank you for your grace, and we long to know you more. We ask for your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives in all who believe, and we thank you for your word that is alive and able to speak to the depth of our soul. We thank you for the sufficiency of your grace, the strength that comes in our weakness. We thank you that you are able to change us from the inside out. And to give us more of yourself. So, Father, we depend on you as we continue in our time of worship. We just posture ourselves and just pray that your word would, would meet soil that is good and receptive, that it might be planted and bear fruit that bears life for your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. As you're sitting down and getting situated, um, want to introduce myself. If you're new this morning, I'm Barrett. I'm one of the pastors here at Island Community Church, and I am truly grateful that you've chosen to worship with us today. We have a wonderful and loving family. We love Jesus, and we love one another, and we truly love you, and uh, I'm so grateful that you're here with us today, and invite you back anytime. I don't know, has anyone heard that we're starting a new series today? Yeah. Does anyone have the, uh, the guide? Okay, if you don't have the guide, I would highly encourage you to think about getting it. Um, we actually invest money in every guide that we sell. We don't make any money. It costs actually more than we sell it for. Um, that's why we ask if you could pay more for it. We'd love it. Um, so you can scholarship someone else in need as well. But these guides are truly meant to be a resource for you uh, as we walk through this spring season together. In fact, um, we're going to be in this series, which is called Desperate Dependence. Desperate Dependence is the name of our series, and we're going to be in this series um, for the entire spring, pretty much. And I uh, could not be more excited about it. We're 
uh, encouraging you to get these guides because um, they can help you. We hope, it is my aim as your pastor and as a teacher of God's word, for you not just to come in and watch me preach or to just hear the word of God, but that you seek to truly understand it and to live in it. Um, to follow God's instructions, not just to be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. So this will help you as you take notes here on Sundays as we go through uh, the Bible together, but also will help you on your, in your daily walk with the Lord uh, throughout this entire spring. And I hope uh, you're excited about it. If you are excited, you can tell me in just a second. Uh, but every week this spring, uh, we are writing daily devotionals uh, for you that corresponds with our series, Desperate Dependence. And they will be available in our app, exclusively in the app, uh, so that's why we ask you to download it, but they will be available Monday through Friday of each week. And we highly encourage you. Um, the structure of this series is a bit different. Um, the teaching times are not going to be as long as typical. Some of you should not say anything right now, because uh, I'm standing right here and I can hear you. Uh, but what we're doing is aiming to um, allow for more uh, times of prayer in our corporate times together. And to do that, and also to respect uh, your time, uh, we're kind of basically going to be teaching you in this series with a combination of both what we do here on Sunday mornings. It, it will not just be me teaching other men of God from our church. will also be teaching with me in this series um, but also, we're going to be teaching you through the daily devotions. And so I highly encourage you uh, to consider not only the guide, but also making sure that you're tuned in to the app and that you consider as a supplement uh, to what you're already doing in your own times with the Lord, consider walking as a church uh, together uh, through this focus on desperate dependence. And I'm really excited about that. On top of that, um, and then I'm going to get into the word, um, is that... Uh, our small groups are also going to be journeying in this same series uh, all spring. And if you do not have a small group, I could not think of a better uh, invitation to give than to just invite you into the true life of the church, uh, the true community, into friendships that are authentic and real, meaningful and supportive, and where you find encouragement in the Lord, where you find um, just community for life, where you find accountability uh, for the things that God has called us to together, and where you find a group that, honestly, you can depend on the Lord with, that you can pray with about the real things that are happening in your life uh, day to day and week to week. So if you don't have a small group, our groups are launching uh, this week with this series, and we would love to invite you into that community. Um, so with our Sundays and with our, our daily devotions and our times in the Word personally and also in our times in community, I could not be more excited about what God has for us uh, in this spring season of desperate dependence. Um, I, 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 I need to, um, I, I desire very much for today to be an honest conversation, and I want to kind of bring you into, some of you, you may not know, like, how, how do you pick series? Is there like some like website you just go and like download all of this stuff? Is it just like a package deal? The answer is no. I, I think there are websites like that, but not to shame anyone who uses them, but we just don't, okay? Um, the way that we 
walk, walk together as a church and as a pastoral team and as a leadership team as we really desire in every season of our church to be very sensitive to God's leadership of us, of our particular body. I know you. If you're in our church, we know you. <laughs> you might think you don't know me. Well, we like to think we do. Um, even those of you who you may not think we know what's going on because you may not have personal interaction with me on a daily basis. I know you're small group leaders, and we often get updates, and we pray for you regularly. We know our church family, and we love you. And we are a unique family of God, and God is with us, and he's working among us. And in every season in the life of our church, we, we really desire to listen to God and to really ask him, literally, uh, I, I have about a six-month planning process that I go through as a pastor and as a teacher of the Word of God. And so months ago, even as we were launching what some of you, you know, as you were hearing about the launch of Galatians series back in the fall, we were praying about, in our planning, that series had been planned months before that. We were praying about the spring season. And as we have been postured in a way to just ask the Lord, um, what is it, God, that you would, would want for us in this next season of the life of our church. And one of the things that we do um, is we, we talk to leaders in the church and we ask them the same question. What is God doing? What is he desiring for us? Where is he leading? Where do you see the real needs in the life of the church uh, in this season? And we just posture ourselves to listen and to talk and to pray and to exercise discernment, which the Holy Spirit does give to us, all of us, his people as we seek him and ask for wisdom. And over months, I mean, I, and I, I'm not exaggerating, over months, this past fall leading up into the decision point, which for this series was actually the very latest that it's ever been, um, but over months, we kept hearing over and over and over as we sought the Lord and as we sought discernment from the leaders of this church, members of this church, that there is this longing that God has placed in all of our hearts to experience more of God through prayer. To, to this yearning to, to see our own lives and our church marked by this desperation for God as we live lives of dependence upon Him in, in prayer. Over and over, we just kept hearing it. It was shouting at us from those who serve in prayer capacities in our church. Especially those who serve as volunteers. I'm so thankful for those who volunteer on our prayer teams regularly. There's people even right now interceding for our service and praying for you. There's people that pray throughout the week. There's people who pray in, in this very room and available to us for prayer as we are in our response times. We've, we've heard it loudly from them. We've heard it from our small group leaders. We've heard it from the Holy Spirit speaking into our hearts as pastors. And we're not talking about some of you might think, well, I, we already pray. Like, what's the big deal? We're not talking about just token prayers. Like, God, thanks for the meal and this great day. Amen. We're not talking about the kind of prayers that maybe we might, and there's nothing wrong with those kind of prayers, but 
We're not just talking about the kind of prayers like in a small group where people go around and share needs and then one person is appointed and they basically just list the things that they just heard and submit them before the Father. That's wonderful and we're glad to pray like that, but the vision God is giving us was, was more than that. As we look at the pages of the, the Bible and we see the example of the New Testament church and we hear the invitation of our Lord, we, we are sitting around longing for prayer to be of our highest personal priority. The thing we long to do, not that we have to do, but that we want to do. For our times of prayer not to be marked by, by quick and hurried prayers because we've got to do it and we're on to the next thing, but but times of prayer that we don't want to end. Times of communion with the Lord that are so sweet and satisfying, so fulfilling and fruitful that it is our greatest priority and highest joy in the day. And that it's our highest priority as a church. Seeing long seasons of prayer. Seeing, this is what we had a desire for, seeing our church praying in small groups, long seasons, where everyone is wanting to participate and to voice what, what's going on because they know if we, we take it to the Lord, God will answer as we depend upon Him. Seeing our corporate life here on Sundays be marked by less program in, in terms of like us just singing, putting words up and talking to you, but giving space for prayer and our times together that we might cry out to the Lord in personal ways and in corporate ways together. We've been longing over the last months, God's put in our heart that we might have, our church might have greater confidence in praying, that we might see the power of God through our praying, that we might be hearing more testimonies, more testimonies, of radical answers to prayer, like things that we cannot explain other than God did that. We've been longing to see answered prayer as a daily experience in the life of our members and people coming because they hear of the opportunity to receive prayer. If you've got your Bible I want you to turn to Mark chapter 14 for a second because as I was considering and we as a team were considering what we felt like God was speaking, I was spending time in the Word and, and just asking the Lord to please show me clearly as I spend my own personal time but also time in the Word for the sake of our church and came across a story that just honestly confirmed so much of what we felt God was leading. Mark chapter 11, this is not our main text for the day, but one day Jesus approached a temple and he saw a lot of things going on inside that had really nothing to do with God's true desires for his people or his true purposes for his church. Some of you might remember this account in Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 17. We read that as Jesus was showing 
his frustration against the activities of the church not being aligned with the will of God, he says, he was teaching them, saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you, you have made it a den of robbers. Now, as you go through the scripture, do you find it sometimes tempting to justify yourself constantly to make sure that the words of Jesus are good for you, that you really don't have a problem, and you prob- this is probably not for you, this is for somebody else that's much worse than you? Anybody ever done that when you read the Bible? That's, that's sinful, okay? That's our sinful defensiveness trying to keep our hearts from needing to be submitted and surrendered to the Lord so that he might change us. It is easy in a time like this for a pastor like me to say, well, thank the Lord our church is not out in the lobby trying to make profit off of people seeking God. You know, we sell our books at a discount. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) And then just move on, right? But God impressed on me, you know. You You might not be seeking to profit off of people, and genuinely we're not. You all know that. But I think there's a more important message that Jesus is wanting to communicate. Because as he walks in the church and he sees all this activity going on, and he sees it in view of what God's true desire and purpose for his church is, what, what he speaks to them. He said, you know what should be going on here? <laughs> See, I want to teach you something. My house shall be called a house of prayer. For the nations. And you turned it into a den of robberies. You turned it into something that it was never meant to be. But my church, my people, are to be marked as a people of prayer. When people come in my church, what they should see is a praying people, a desperately dependent people. And as we were considering this series, I, I, think we, I had to ask the question. I had to ask the question of myself. I had to ask the question of our church, of my leadership, you know. What am I, what am I known for? What am, I, what am I primarily known for as a man of God? What is our church known for? We could be a church known for a lot of great things. We're very missional, we're very mercy-minded, we have great Bible teaching, we have gospel centrality, we have authentic community. I mean, what are we known for? There's some wonderful things that we're known for, things of God, but what I ask, and I think what you've got to ask is, are we primarily known to be a church of prayer? As people look at my life and as people evaluate your life, would they say, that one, he, she, they are, they, sh- they depend on the Lord. They are desperate to see God move. They are a praying person. Is that what we're marked by? In our church, are people knowing us? 
as a church of deep and desperate dependence upon the Lord, a church of prayer. We can be good at many things, but if we neglect the main thing, are we faithful and effective? And the Holy Spirit begins to clearly impress this on me and impress this on us. This is where I want to lead you. This is where I want to lead the church. And I told you a second ago that uh, this, the final decision for this series was made the latest that we've ever made a decision for this church in terms of a series. And I want to thank our team. You should thank them later for all the work that they did to get organized for the start of this series as quickly as they did. But I'll tell you the hang-up. You want to know the hang-up? <coughs> why was this, why was it so late? Me. I'm talking about Barrett. I began to, to freak out a little bit. <laughs> Maybe freak out is a little too strong, but I began to feel hesitant. Some of you might even feel that way with some of what I've already described today. Uh, that's We're hoping for this season ahead. And my reluctance was not because of who God is or what God desires. My reluctance was because of who I am and what I've experienced. And I began to feel, how, can I, how could I teach this if I'm not fully living in this? Does anybody in this room feel like they're where they need to be in terms of prayer? For me, I just go and God, how am I going to lead into a place that I feel woefully inadequate already? In my own prayer life, there have been times of dry spells. There, were there, there are times where it's so easy to just get distracted. Where the phone, if it's not left in another room, starts to beep or call, and you just all of a sudden lose your focus. Where your mind wanders. You feel discouraged. I felt discouraged in seasons by my own apathy. Sometimes where prayer life feels like it could be dry or even monotonous where it feels like I'm just scratching the surface of what the Bible desires and even intends for me as a man, as a pastor. Anybody else feel that way? Not that you have to, but I'm just being honest. And then on top of that, the big kicker was there are some big prayers that I've been praying, and I get a little emotional talking about this, but in my own personal life and in my private life, there are some big prayers. Some of you guys have had the audacity to pray big prayers with God. Like the kind of things that you, you really go to the Lord, and you know it's not going to be possible unless the Lord works. And there are some big prayers that I was praying in this last season over like, I'm talking like three, four, five years. And to be honest, I haven't seen answers in those prayers. And as I was wrestling with this clear leadership of the Lord of saying, Barrett, 
lead the church to be desperate and dependent upon me. Tell them that I'm a God who answers when you call upon me. I'm sitting there going, but God, I've been calling on you for four or five years for some things. How am I going to tell them that when I haven't seen you answer? Which is, in so many ways, wrong, the wrong attitude. But I'm being honest with where my heart is, okay? <laughs> and these prayers involve people that are really close to me, situations that are really important to me deep, deep longings in my heart that I really have searched my heart and believe they're of God, and yet I've been broken and desirous to see them, but I just haven't seen them. And I, I remember distinctly, I waited until the new year before he even made the decision for the series. 2019 rolled around, and I remember saying, Lord, please, this year, I just long for you to answer in some of these things that I really believe that you've led me to. Pray for. And then, first week of January, riding down the road, we were taking a long trip, and Michelle and I were listening to an audio book in the car, which is one of our, anybody like listening to audiobooks in the car? Okay. We're listening to an audiobook in the car, which is one of our things to do. And we are starting to listen to Francis Chan's Forgotten God. Anybody ever heard of that or read it? It's a book on the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful book. I encourage you to read it. I've read it before. We're listening to it again. And the Lord brought to my mind again as I'm hearing the word wash over me. And I have to sit under the word as a pastor just as much as you have to sit under the word as a church member. And hearing the word wash and reminders of the Holy Spirit's presence and the Holy Spirit's power and the Holy Spirit's promise. And I'm going, God, please help me to believe you. Answer in these specific ways. And I kid you not, that very day, one of the things that I have longed for, for about as long as I've known how to pray, that there's even an opportunity to pray. One of the things that I've longed for, for about that long in my life, that very day, at lunch, God answered that prayer. <laughs> One of the relationships that to me has been closed, and I've longed to be open, God opened up before my very eyes. To the point that I was sitting there almost disbelieving because it was like too good to be true. And I thought, God, thank you. Thank you. I can't believe it, but you've done it, and it's the, you're the greatest. You know those times where you just don't even have words? You're just like, God, you're awesome. You're, like, so cool. Like, you're the best. Thank you, God. And it just filled me up but destroyed me all at the same time. It just overwhelmed me with the faithfulness and the power of God. And, y'all, I kid you not, Michelle and I got back in the car to get back on the road, and I went to plug my phone up to the charger in the car, and I looked at my phone, and there's a message from the other relationship that has been broken for four years, and I've longed for reconciliation and restoration, and been crying out to the Lord, and a message comes on the same day 
as the other answer to prayer that I've been waiting on for more than 20 years. A message arrives and says, I long for reconciliation and restoration. God has put it on my heart. Would you be willing to meet? And I literally almost had to pull over the car. Michelle said, I, she just looked at me, and I'm like crying, like flood of tears. She goes, what? And I said, look at this. Just look at this. And both of us sat there speechless. Because she's known and has carried with me, and she, what I've known, which is that been longing to see God do these things for years. And now, are you kidding me, Lord? <laughs> like in a matter of two hours, you do both of them? You're crazy and awesome and so good and faithful. So much more able to do what you can do more than I could ever ask or imagine. And you know what God's spoken to my heart? spoken to my heart. Barrett, I want you to lead the church to pray. And I knew, I had zero doubt <laughs> at that moment that this next season in my life as a pastor and in our life as a church is going to be marked as a season where we learn and yearn together to depend more desperately on the Lord than we ever have. Because our God is a great God. He's a faithful God. He's an able God. And He is a prayer-answering God. And we were never meant to live our life on our own. Our life is always meant to be lived in dependence upon our great and faithful and able God. And we need to yearn to know more of what this dependence is all about. If you flip in your Bible to the next gospel book, Luke chapter 11. The disciples one day Asked something very specific of Jesus. They asked Jesus to teach them something. Now, if you got to ask Jesus to teach you one thing, what would you ask him to teach you? This is the only marked place that we know that this is this very specific moment where they're asking for something very specific. you got to ask Jesus one question. What are you going to ask him to teach you? I mean, these guys have traveled around with Jesus. They've been with him as he's done so many things, as he's taught the word of God with authority, as he's healed the sick, as he's rebuked the unrighteous, as he's corrected the religious, as he's fed the hungry. Has he shown more love and mercy than anyone on earth had ever shown? Has he's cast out demons and freed people from evil? Has he's forgiven the worst of sinners? 
as he's calmed a storm with his hands. And even more, I mean, you've been walking around with Jesus, right? You've been witnessing all of this. God in flesh among us. What question are you going to get to ask Jesus if you get to ask, Lord, teach me one thing. What are you going to ask him to teach you? Well, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, we know what the disciples asked very specifically. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples. Why is this the one question you got to ask yourself? Why is this the question? Here's why. The disciples knew the secret of Jesus' private life with God. The disciples knew the secret of his public ministry among people. The disciples knew the secret of his unceasing love. All of these other things that we see and love and admire and wonder about Jesus come from a singular place. Desperate dependence upon God. Desperate dependence upon God. These are not just two random words. I truly reflect, I know this, the deep, sincere heart of God for us. This is more than just a clever phrase that starts with the same letter D, okay? This is one of the key attributes of people who know the living God. Desperate dependence. They saw it. In some ways, I told Michelle yesterday, I said, said, how do you feel about the message? I I said, I feel like it's stupid simple. You guys, I like doing this word studies. I like circling and drawing arrows, okay? You guys know that by now, right? You can laugh at that. That's fine. And in so many ways, I just feel like this is sermon, this series is almost like stupid simple. But yet as I look at my life and as I look at our church, I think we have so much room to grow. We might know a lot, but how much do we experience? Looking at all of Jesus, how often do we go to Jesus? I mean, they knew him, and they knew where all of the source of his unceasing love and intimacy with God and effectiveness of ministry came from. It came from his abiding life and desperate dependence with the Father. And they said, Lord, 
teach us how to live as desperately and dependent upon God as you live because we see where your life comes from. It comes from the Father. You see? And Jesus is willing to teach them. He's willing to invite them in. And we'll look at that passage more later. He's willing to participate with them in prayer, to invite them into that secret place. But it starts with, is that a question in your heart? I mean, I'm really asking, because I've had to ask myself this question. Do you yearn for more of a life of prayer and intimacy and desperation and dependence upon God? Are you willing to ask the question, Lord, teach me how to pray? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, 18. I know I'm jumping around, okay? I know I'm jumping around. But I want you to write some of these references down. We'll come back to some of them this week in our daily devotions, okay? We'll talk more about it as we spend time together this week. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 and 18 says this. Rejoice always. Pray. How? Okay, I need more participation. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Okay. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do y'all believe this verse? Believe this is what God wants for us? In your heart, find joy always. And pray without ceasing. What does that mean, Barrett? How do, how do I... <coughs> Excuse me, that was gross. <laughs> Something was in there. I'll wash my hands before I shake yours. Am I supposed to, like, stay in my room and just pray all the time? Am I supposed to, I mean, with what you know of your prayer life, you might wonder, what does this mean? Pray without ceasing? Well, I think what we've got to understand is that the, the invitation to prayer and the intended experience of prayer is not just to be meant in, in some religious exercise that we perform a couple of times a day but rather it's meant to be marked by this life of desperate dependency upon God. In other words, what it's saying is prayer is an invitation, right? Prayer is simply a way that we express an ongoing love relationship with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to pray. you got an ongoing, growing love relationship with God our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, our prayer doesn't stop when we say amen because we recognize that our whole life is lived because of the indwelling presence of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our whole life is a dependent life. We don't have independence in this life. We did not create ourselves. He created us. We cannot sustain our life. He has to sustain us. We can't make ourselves new. It's Jesus who does that by the work of the Holy Spirit from the grace and love of the Father. The future 
even this next moment, this next hour, this next week, year, decade, all of it, dependent. We are dependent people. Prayer is a confession that we are dependent. It's an admission of that. And it's a longing to live moment by moment, day by day, in such a way that that kind of growing dependency never ceases. Pray without ceasing. The abiding life that Jesus invites us into in John 15. Abide in me. Because you cease to pray, you cease to abide, and you can do nothing. But you learn how to live without ceasing in a desperate dependence upon me, and with me you will see all things as possible. God invites us into an abiding life of complete dependence upon him through prayer. I want to close this morning with a passage that's printed in your guides. And hopefully you've been writing notes in this series I'm not going to be putting a lot of things up on the screen other than the scriptures, and you've got to write what the Holy Spirit speaks to you as we study and seek Him together. But I'm closing now. Daniel chapter 3. And I put this passage in here because God really put it on our hearts as the example of for us, many of you know the story of Daniel and have come to really love this wonderful man of God. He's an Old Testament prophet, and of the people of Scripture, there are few people equal to Daniel. He doesn't teach by precepts or big doctrines, but rather he teaches us by giving us a practice and a pattern of godliness that we can and should follow. His love for God is unwavering, and in this passage of Scripture, we see, some of you might be familiar with the story, it says it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. I'm starting in verse 1. And over them three presidents, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all of the other presidents and satraps because of an excellent spirit that was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. But then the presidents and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in his connection with the law of his God. Then these presidents and satraps came over, came by agreement to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the perfect prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except for you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document 
so that it cannot be changed according to the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. Now, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or any man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered, The thing stands fast, according to the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Well, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he had heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said, Know, O king, that it is a law of the, of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king established can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into a den of lions. The king declared, to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and he spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king arose and he went to haste to the den of lions. And he came near to the den where Daniel was. He cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad, and he commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den, so Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his go to verse 25, we read that King Darius, after this, wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all of the earth, peace be multiplied to you, for I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. As we close this morning, I, I want to invite you to see living example 
of what I believe God has put on my heart to grow in in this next season. And I want to invite you to grow with me. Here's a guy, Daniel, who, who sees his life so intrinsically woven with the life of God that there is no way that he could ever imagine not going to the Lord in desperate dependency any day of his life. He lives the abiding life of desperate dependency with God. So much that as culture pushes against him to get rid of such foolishness, he holds his ground and says, no, my life is from God and my life is for God, and I will continue to persevere in desperate dependency upon him because he is my everything. He's a big deal leader. Some of us think, well, I'm too smart for prayer. Or I'm too high up for prayer. I'm too influential. I'm so-and-so. People look at me, you know, and, and I'm the et cetera, et cetera of this organization or et cetera, et cetera of that one. I mean, I don't care. Daniel didn't care. It didn't matter to him, his money or his intellect or his position. What he knew was the smart thing for him to do was to maintain intimacy with God because if he ain't got God, he ain't got nothing. God's all he had, and therefore God's all he needed. It should have been the other way around. God's all he needed, therefore he's okay that God's all he had. But here's a guy who even in the face of opposition says, the face of threat says, I will continue to persevere in dependence upon the Lord. I know my life is lived because of God. Therefore, I will persist in pursuing him in prayer. And we see the testimony from Daniel's life is not one of saying, oh, what a great guy Daniel is but because of how Daniel lived his life, postured in dependence upon the Lord. As God answered Daniel's prayers, people saw the greatness and the faithfulness of his God. To the point that those who didn't know the Lord came and said, wow, tell me more about your God. As we close and our team comes to transition us to worship, I, I just sincerely want to invite you to reflect with me on whether or not your life is marked by desperate dependency upon the Lord. Whether you have that question, Lord, Lord Jesus, teach me to pray. Jesus said that his people and his house would be known as a house of prayer. And I wonder if that's how you're known. I wonder if, if you're known as a Daniel. 
one whose greatest priority is to depend on the Lord, to see him work in powerful ways. God is inviting us to depend on him. He's inviting us to come home to where we belong, to that place for which we were created. We are dependent people. The sooner we acknowledge that in very specific and personal ways in every area of life, the sooner we come to the place that God really wants us to be. The Father's heart and arms are open to welcome us in. Perhaps we have just a little faith or we feel like we have none. The Father's arms are open. Perhaps we feel like we've been in seasons of dry spells or we just don't know. Uh, the Father's arms are open. Perhaps prayer is already a delight of your life and you just long for more. Father's arms are open. And I really believe that starting place for us is not to try to get all the answers what it looks like to pray, but rather just to simply come to God and just pray. So this morning, um, I'm just going to invite you into a time of prayer now. And if everybody can just get in a posture where you can really just spend time with the Lord, just talk with Him and let Him talk with you. You know, the Father's arms are open for us because of our Savior, Jesus. And it's possible for us to depend desperately on Him because of what Jesus, our Savior, has done for us. Like little children coming to their parent. Parents just glad that you come. And I'm just encouraging you now just to come. Maybe right now there's some circumstance or situation happening in your life. in your heart. And you've been holding on to that. You're just trying to maintain control. You've been walking independently of the Lord rather than releasing it to God and believing Him. And God is inviting you right now to let go of that and just release it to Him. Hebrews 11, 6 describes without faith it's impossible to please him but when we draw near to him we believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I'm just encouraging you to believe that God is inviting you near to the blood of his son and whatever it is that's going on in your life, he knows you he cares about you 
those things that you're holding on to, just release it into his hands. He rewards those who seek him. Let's just cry out to the Lord. God, make me dependent, desperately dependent upon you.